Welcome to the Mapped Out Money Podcast, where we help you understand finance and manage your money so you can get on with living your adventure. You're listening to episode number 19. And today's episode is sponsored by the Mapped Out Money newsletter. So every week, Hannah and I write a short email that shares uh, kind of what we're learning, where we're adventuring, which hasn't been a, a lot of far out adventuring with uh, with COVID these days, uh, and then also what we're creating, these podcasts, the YouTube videos that we're making to help you with your money. So if that sounds interesting to you, we would love for you uh, to be on the email list getting those newsletters. Just go to mappedoutmoney.com and uh, you can sign up for the newsletters right there on the homepage. So, Nick, why don't you introduce like how we came up with the idea for this podcast episode? Because it it came out of an article that you read that you read that you read from <laughs> David Peril. Yeah, yeah. So, actually, uh, a few weeks back in our stuff we like segment, we shared that I was uh, really enjoying David Peril's articles, and uh, he wrote this article called "50 Ideas That Changed My Life," and we'll link that up uh, in the show notes. It's really great. He's got these really short kind of bite-sized ideas there. And uh, one of them is this idea of inversion. And I'll just read kind of how he says it, and, and then that'll set us up. So he says, inversion, avoiding stupidity is easier than trying to be brilliant. Instead of asking, how can I help my company? You should ask, what's hurting my company the most and how can I avoid it? Identify obvious failure points and steer clear of them. So, you know, when I read that, I immediately thought, about our finances, right? Well, actually, you really didn't. You thought about our business. Because well, yeah, when you first right, brought this right. to me, you you brought it to me under the context of like, hey, I think we should be kind of thinking about mapped out money stuff this way. This way. And we should see if there's any real obvious things that we should just be avoiding that are that are hurting us. That are hurting us. Uh-huh. And then after we had that conversation, then or while we were having that conversation, we kind of transitioned to this might kind of be something interesting to have on the, podcast, on the podcast and yeah. tie into finances. Yeah, this idea of rather than trying to be an expert with your money, um, let's just start by let's just not be stupid with our money. Yeah. <laughs> like, how can we just avoid that? Yeah, that's a that's an important first step that I think we oftentimes skip in a lot of areas of life. How can I just not be horrible at this? <laughs> and it reminds me, too, of like we've talked a few different times on this podcast about offense versus defense with your money. So today's episode is is really like a defensive episode. Uh, and I think a lot of times people can get too caught up uh, in one or the other. Yeah, I think so too. And it also reminds me of um, the uh, the Warren Buffett quote. So a lot of people think that Warren Buffett is this, this great, amazing investor, which obviously he is. Um, but a lot of people assume, I think, that that means he's on offense, right? He's out there finding the best deal, finding the best stock, finding the best company that he can invest in, which, again, he is doing. But he's famous for this quote where he says um, – one of his, his most famous sayings is, uh, rule number one, never lose money. Rule number two, never forget rule number one, which is a very, very defensive position. And it, it's very much so like this – whole idea of inversion, which is, um, hey, if you want to be a great investor, let's start with don't lose money, <laughs> which I think is funny. Yeah. So with that being said, do you want to lead us into how we're going to tie this into finances? Sure. So we've got five uh, things that we want to talk about that when you think about this question, what's hurting your finances and how do we avoid it? 
that these things are all could be potentially hurting you uh, with your finances. So the first one is unhealthy comparisons. Yeah. And I think the important thing about all five of these points are these are all things that pretty much all of us do catch ourselves doing at some point or another. So, you know, unhealthy comparisons. This is keeping up with the Joneses. This is looking at all your friends on Instagram and feeling like your life isn't living up to what it should be. Um, trying to keep up with your coworkers, trying to keep up with your family, you know, trying to impress everybody, all of those things that we all find ourselves doing. One of the interesting, now that you just said this about Instagram, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but one of the interesting things about a lot of the social media apps that if you think about them is that they start off and they're first um, attracted, uh, they first attract their, their user base by sort of being raw, or at least that's happened a couple times. So like that happened with Instagram where when it first got popular, there weren't these like amazing filters. They had some really basic filters, but nothing amazing. And so it was sort of this raw in the moment. That was a whole idea, like this instant show your location, show what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, and then it's like in the name. Instagram. Instagram, right? And then over time, it's become this like super curated. curated. So TikTok's kind of doing that right now too. When it was musically... And it first got started, it was this sort of just kids doing lip syncing, like in their rooms kids with these terrible, <laughs> with these terrible, uh, I, I like lip syncing, uh, with these terrible, <laughs> you know, cameras on their phone, whatever. And as it's grown in popularity, it's transitioned to this like well-curated, like professional, professional music it's, it's insane. Um, and, and, you know, that's happened with Snapchat. And so we humans, we have this tendency to like safe face right to put on this sort of exterior thing that's not real uh and it's hard because when everybody around you is doing that you're comparing yourself to that going like well geez but what's also funny in that i mean this is kind of getting off topic but what's also funny in that is that we find ourselves wanting you know authenticity or at least that's what we say we want and i think when it comes down to it that is what we're attracted to and yet everybody gets caught up in putting all this stuff up that's the complete opposite Well, we want other people authentic. to be authentic, but we don't want to be authentic, right? Because We just want people to think that we're authentically awesome. Uh, yes. This is something we all struggle with. And, and it's something that uh, should be fairly obvious about how it uh, negatively affects your finances, even if it's happening subconsciously, right? If you're comparing yourself to the Joneses, if you're comparing yourself to uh, the people around you, well, they just bought a new car. Maybe I should get a new car. They just bought these new shoes. Maybe I should get a new shoes, right? All of a sudden... You're going to start spending money in ways that maybe aren't true to you. Uh, yeah, that maybe don't even align with your values. Totally. Which leads into to one of the things that we think you need to remember when you start making comparisons is that you probably don't have the same circumstances as yep. those people. You probably don't have the same skill sets. You probably don't have even the same desires or values that they have. Yeah. So yeah, maybe they have all these things, but if you really if you're really self aware and and tune in with what your actual values are, you may not even really want those things, even though they're things that impress other people on the surface. Yep. Um and and I think the other thing to remember especially with social media, is, you know, the whole idea of comparing your bloopers with their highlight reel. And then also tied with that is comparing your beginning to like their peak. So I have a lot of artists and designers that I like to follow and, you know, I'll look at their stuff and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing, you know, whatever. But they may have had a 20 year career in design. So I can't expect 
you know, I can't expect to be able to do that. I don't have 20 years of experience. Um, so all of that kind of leads into why we listed this very specifically as unhealthy comparisons, because I, I'm a firm believer that you can't just completely not compare Yeah, it's not yourself. helpful, right? We can sit here and say, all right, y'all, unhealthy comparisons are bad, so stop doing it. Just stop comparing yourself to other people, yeah. but that's just not going to happen. No, like, it's not. We all compare ourselves. That's just part of life. And so one of one of the one of the podcast episodes that I've listened to that I think has been the most helpful for me was an episode from Jordan Harbinger. And let me let me see what episode number 22, how to stop comparing yourself to other people. Um, And he did this with Gabriel Mizrahi. Yeah, Mizrahi. That's right. Um, But anyways, they get into the fact that, you know what? Comparison is part of life. So if let's just acknowledge that and then let's figure out if there's a healthy way that we can make comparisons. So I really liked that angle. So just to do a kind of quick overview of some of what they covered on the podcast, they highlight three motivations for comparing yourself. So the first is self-assessment. Gabriel says, this is finding out how you stack up so you know objectively how good or talented or correct you are. The second uh, motivation is self-enhancement. So Gabriel says, this is designed to make us feel better about ourselves. And the third is self-verification. So he words this as, I already know how I feel about myself, but I'm going to go out there and confirm it for myself so I know whatever I believed already is true. I think the important thing to realize in all of this is being self-aware enough to know why you're making comparisons and also to know how you're mentally responding to those. And and so to be aware enough to know, okay, is this something healthy that's helping me move forward? Or is this an unhealthy comparison that's like holding me back and making me feel discouraged and making me feel dissatisfied with my own situation? So like as an example, you know, an unhealthy comparison might be like, they're always buying a new car. Like they're always making more money than me. They can always afford a better car than me. And like, I, I can never get those things that they can get. Things just always go their way. Like that's totally not a healthy comparison at all. If you wanted to take that and make it, you know, say you d- really do value cars. And it, it's not just coming from this place of like, I just want a car to impress other people. Like you really love cars. You spend a lot of time in your commute and you really do like value having a nicer car and you see somebody else that has a nicer car you can look at that and go like you know they've been working that side hustle and uh it it looks like it's like really working out for them that's awesome like they were able to get this new car and that's super cool I would love to be able to get something like that someday like I wonder what what are some things that that I could work on like what are some skills that I could work on developing where I might could make some extra money on the side and and have more money to to buy a car or you know like there's positive ways to look at other people and see what they're doing and figure out how you might implement some of those things that you admire about what they're doing into your own life yeah no, i think that's such a great point and it and what it makes me think of is this idea between when i see someone else who has who has either bought something that i would like to buy or has something going on in their life am i uh inspired by that and 
And so now I want to go and, and make sure that maybe I want to change something about my own situation because I'm inspired or does it like discourage me? And make me feel bad about my situation or or have uh, animosity towards that person. I mean, this is something that we see all the time in the financial sort of creator world, right? Bloggers and podcasters. Um, so, some good friends of, of ours, um, Steve and Courtney Adcock, um, they run uh, a website, well, called a stream in life about their airstream travels and then and they and they also have a sort of a personal finance side as well and steve talks about i saw something he tweeted the other day where he was talking about how um whenever we get featured on like a big website like a cnbc or something where they they get a lot, a lot of exposure about how they were basically able to save all this money and, and then quote unquote retire in their 30s he said um the vast majority of comments are people saying well they had this advantage or well they had that or well they had this or well they don't whatever and and so therefore they cheated and and i can't ever do that right yeah i think the big one that a lot of people go go to is like well they don't have kids so of yeah, course they they're don't able to do that and it's like yes they don't uh which is different than your situation and it's different than mine and your i mean we want kids someday so that's different than you know our situation but that doesn't take away all the positive things that they did to put themselves in that position that they were really smart about and all the sacrifices that they've made along the way. And so rather than focusing on all the other things, I tried to instead focus on um, kind of taking that and being inspired by it to then improve my own life. That's that not comparing to make myself feel better or make myself feel bad, but comparing to say, man, I want to be better. And that's what I think like Michelle Schroeder uh, Gardner was for us five, six years ago when we saw this couple who was RVing full time. We we're like, wow, looks really cool. We definitely compared ourselves in that moment, but in a way that said, um, how can we do something like that and what's some positive actions we can take? Yeah, I was going to say, um, you've always been really good at this to me. Like even even when you first started finding um, bloggers who were having success um like a pinch of yum yep you know you looked at a pinch a, a peach a pinch of yum and uh i remember you telling me like yeah they're putting out these you know these income reports and i forget what it was thirteen thousand a month or yeah. whatever and i'm sure they're far beyond that now um but you're like if they can do that we can do that you know i i think i have a tendency to look at things like that and feel discouraged like oh wow they're so much smarter than me and they just have their act together so much better than me i would just never even know like where to start and so you know i think that's a way that you've really helped me grow and in the youtube world too i think you're really good at this because i've just in being around people at conferences you know i've talked to several different people who will bring up a youtube channel or somebody who had something go viral and have have that kind of seemingly overnight success and they'll be talking about it and you can kind of like hear this bitterness in their yeah. voice of oh well they have this going for them or they have that going for them and you know whatever whatever justification of of why that person's channel has grown so much more than this person that I'm talking to and um i think you've always done a great job of when there's somebody in the finance space or something that does have like really rapid growth and is just killing it on youtube you don't you don't get um 
mad or bitter or discouraged by that. Like you always come at it from this angle, like, man, they're doing a great job. Like I'm going to try to watch their videos and like figure out, you know, kind of what, what's their strategy? Like what's some stuff that we might could implement that could help our channel grow too. You always come at it with a very growth mindset, willingness to learn perspective. Well, and that, and I mean, quite frankly, I think that's, that's the only practical way you can go about it. Oh, it totally is. So, you know, like Andre Jick is a great example. Um, if you, it's J I K H, I think, I don't know. He's, he's Russian, uh, but <laughs> his name's Andre Jick. Anyways, he's, he's quote unquote brand new on YouTube in the finance space, meaning like his channel's a year and a half old and he is blowing up. He's amazing. I mean, he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so I could sit here and go, well, I've been putting videos out for three years on YouTube and my channel's nowhere near his, blah, 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 right? And it's like, I could, or I could say, wow, okay, number one, I shouldn't compare myself at all because this guy, before he got into YouTube, actually was a videographer for a magician for years and went around filming this guy's magic tricks. And so, of course, he's really good with video. Of course, he's really good at editing. And then he's taken all that skill and he's applied it into this new like kind of finance world. So he's blowing up. And so practically, the best thing for me to do is to compare my videos to his, but in a what is he doing that I'm not that I can improve. And so I think to me, if, if I could boil down this whole unhealthy comparing thing, it's don't not compare yourself because like we said, that's nearly impossible. But instead, when you catch yourself comparing yourself going like, oh, I don't have that or I don't whatever, ask yourself, what is it about whatever it is they are having or doing that is making you take notice? Like, why are you even thinking that in the first place? What it is about that? Uh, and then ask, what's something practical I can do to work towards that if that's something that I true truly want? That's a much more I think, healthy approach to using uh, comparisons to help you grow. I totally agree. I totally agree. So I think um, we have... We killed that one? We have done it well. Okay. (laughs) So our our second thing to avoid is impulse spending. Good old impulse spending. And what's bad about this one is like the marketers, like when you think about, like take TJ Maxx, for example. TJ Maxx makes you walk through like what? It's got to be... It's got to be nearly 20 yards oh, that's with like the zigzag. Parts, I know. But that zigzag back and forth, they they make you walk through that and they see all these little like sub $10 items. And you're just like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of do need some of those. And you're like, oh, a new notepad. I do yeah. need that. I do need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, a new coffee mug. Yeah. But seriously, like when I'm at TJ Maxx and I'm like, oh, my TJ Maxx visit is coming to a close. And I'm like walking it up to the front. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, but I still get to walk through this fun <laughs> stuff. It's not over yet. <laughs> It's like so TJ Maxx's dream. Oh yeah, they. I mean, that's why they're crushing it. That's why, like, you know, all these what J C Penney's and Belk and all these all these retail stores are struggling and dying with the internet. TJ Maxx is just crushing it. Um, and then obviously on online, like Amazon, you know, they're the king of impulse spending. Oh, they make it so easy to buy so stuff. So easy. We even last week, y'all, we watched um the Spider Man uh, Homecoming movie with uh what's his name Tom Holland. Uh, I, I'm a big Spider-Man fan. I like Spider-Man, and I really like Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Side note, Nick used to have a spandex Spider-Man suit that you found, like, way too many excuses to wear. Yeah. There were a lot of instances where you wore that suit, now well, that I, like, was, reflect back there's on there's lots it. of good opportunities where one needs a <laughs> full spandex Spider-Man costume. I don't know. Um, and she's talking like I was 18, y'all, not, like, 8. Yeah, this is, like, when we started dating... Um, yeah, Nick. I think by the time we really started dating, you were on the borderline of outgrowing the suit, thankfully. I was outgrowing it, yeah. It's putting on the pounds. There were a lot of 
pictures, a lot of <laughs> relatively recent pictures of you wearing it. So anyways, <laughs> uh, we were watching Spider-Man Homecoming, or, or we wanted to, and I was just amazed at how easy and quick it was to buy on Amazon. It was literally... I was like, okay, purchase. And I expected to like have to input my credit card or something. It was like, okay, your video's ready to watch. I was like, whoa, already? It just charged my card like that? Um, and so, I, you know, Amazon just good grief. I mean, they, they've made it so easy for impulse shopping. Yeah, I mean, you can have Alexa order stuff for you. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. So I think, I think technology is only going to, to help more and more on the impulse spending side, which is, you know, how does this hurt your finances? Um, the biggest thing is it goes against what we preach about all the time on this podcast, which is conscious spending. And so when you buy something out of impulse, there's a really, really good chance that you've not given it enough thought. And so therefore, it's probably not one of your top priorities. It's probably not the most efficient way to use your dollars to get the most value that you care about. Yeah. So let's talk about how we can avoid impulse spending slash how we can keep it from hurting our finances. And um, tied in with that last point that you just made is we think that you should, if you if you enjoy impulse yeah, spending. Yeah, because some people like it. I, I like it. Yeah. I'm a person who likes it. But consciously impulse spend. So what do we mean by that? Give yourself $20 in your budget and say, hey, you know what? $20 a month, I have to when I come across buy that whatever thing, that I'm random thing is that I find it. that I like. Yep. So that French Bulldog mug at TJ Maxx, <laughs> if I've got my $20 left for that month, I can totally get it. That's right. Um, so making sure that you're not spending a disproportionate amount of money That's right. on those impulse purchases. I think the other, the other thing about that, like we've talked about this before, but what that used to cause little bitty rifts with us, like on vacation back in the day, was we would go on vacation and you would want to buy something to remember the trip by, you know. And I had sort of said, I'd sort of done the math about how much the vacation was going to cost because, like, oh, this much for a hotel, this much for whatever, this much for eating out. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't, we didn't put a line on them in here for like random. Yeah, because like one of my one of my favorite ways to spend money is like if we're somewhere, um, you know, in a different city and we go to a really cool brewery or something that we enjoy and we end up hanging out there for several hours and like have a great time. I love getting like a cool T-shirt from that brewery. Yep. And like every time I wear it, I think like, oh, man, that was such a fun day. Yes. Like we, like, it's a big nostalgia thing. And so now we just plan for that. Obviously, we don't know exactly what it's going to be or when it's going to be, but we just build that into the budget. And so when that comes up, it allows us to buy out of impulse, but still consciously. And still within our budget. And still within the budget. Yeah. It's not taking away from us meeting any other goals. I think one of the other things I wanted to say with how to avoid impulse spending uh, is doing something called the the one more day technique. And this is something I actually heard from Mike McCowitz uh, in his book, Profit First. And it's, it's basically just saying when you have that impulse to buy something, you are scrolling Instagram and you see an ad for something you like or you're on Amazon or you're at TJ Maxx or whatever, you just force yourself to wait one more day. And so you go, I'm not going to get that thing at the TJ Maxx checkout. Uh, I'm going to go home. And if tomorrow I wake up and I'm still thinking about it, I can go back and buy it, right? As long as it fits in the budget, of course. But like, then you go back and get it. Same thing in Amazon. Put it in your cart, but don't check out. Just wait one more day. See if you're still thinking about it. If you do that, like that alone will eliminate 
so much of your impulse shopping because after 24 hours, you realize, man, I don't really need that thing. Yeah, you were you were telling me too about like one of your coaching clients that was talking about how it's a husband and wife and throughout the week, as they think of something they need to order, they'll go into Amazon and like add it to their cart, yeah. but they won't order it yet. And then like every Sunday, they kind of sit down together and they're like, okay, here's what we've got in the Amazon cart. Do we actually need this stuff? And they'll kind of prune it and then actually and make the then, order. Yep. Yeah, I thought that was a really good idea. And um, the other thing that, this kind of made me think of it's again same idea just a slightly different variation is like for us the past several years we've kept our our um, guilt-free spending money really really low just because we've had other priorities so you know we've been we've had our budget set to where we each get like thirty dollars a month and so you know you can buy a couple of really small things or like a you know one medium ish kind of item but anything bigger you obviously, we have to save up for a couple of months to buy it. But the great thing about that is you figure out really quickly what's actually important enough to you to, to save yeah, for. to save and buy for. So, you know, I mean, at different times, like I found, you know, maybe a $50 pair of shoes. And I've, I initially I thought like, man, I really want those. I really wish I could buy those. But then after I wait a couple of weeks, I realized like, I really would only wear those like pretty rarely for like this occasion and that occasion. So I really don't care about them enough to want to buy yep. them right now. And so they just totally fall off my radar. Well, I mean, and you, know? you start you start doing the mental math too. Like, I mean, I'll, I've literally heard you say, ooh, that's like three months worth of spending money. Yeah. I don't know that I want that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So, um, and, and, you know, on the, the other side of the spectrum like I've picked out you know a backpack that I really wanted and yep. it was worth it to me yep. and I did stay super focused on that backpack and I would find things and I'd be like mm, would I would I rather buy this or would I rather put that money towards my backpack that I want and almost always I would it would I would want to put it towards the backpack yep. so you do it helps you get really clear on what you actually value and want to spend your money on the last thing I'll, I'll bring up on this one is um knowing that Amazon TJ Maxx, in person, online, their job is to make it as convenient as possible for you to impulse spend. And so sometimes if, if you struggle with this, this is not for everybody, but if you struggle with impulse shopping, I would encourage you to consider adding inconvenience into the process, right? So this would mean don't let Amazon save your default one press purchase thing. Set it up to where you have to enter the billing address, the credit card number. You have to enter all that every single time you make a purchase because at least that little two to three minutes will force you to sit and think about this a little bit longer to see if it's actually something that you truly want. Just make it a little bit more inconvenient. I'll add to that. Um, that kind of comes down to like knowing yourself and knowing like if this is something that you struggle with. And and like for me, you know, that comes into play with it's a heck of a lot easier to avoid temptation than it is to resist temptation. So what I mean by that is if I don't have any spending money left for the month, I'm not going to go to TJ Maxx. Yeah, it's not worth it. Because like you can say like, oh, well, I'm just going to go look. But if I just go look, then I'm, I'm like, oh, I really want this thing. Yep. But I have to sit like I have to stand there and spend all this like mental energy trying to talk myself out of buying that thing because I don't actually have any money in the budget to get it. But I really want it. And I could go negative for next month. But no, 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 no I shouldn't like. It's the same reason we don't buy ice cream. Yeah. We do like, not keep ice cream in our freezer. We do not keep ice cream yeah. in the freezer. Because if it's not here, we won't eat it. But if it is here, we will we eat it. We will eat it. So just avoid the temptation altogether. You know, go to TJ Maxx when you have some guilt-free spending money to 
to spend. And if you find something, you can get it and enjoy it. Um, But otherwise, just don't put yourself in the situation to be tempted. Bingo. All right. Now that I've gotten all my TJ Maxx-ness out, we can move on to number three which is unexpected expenses. And unexpected expenses don't happen at TJ Maxx. That is true. <laughs> no, so, I mean, this is, again, this is this is life, right? Life happens. Uh, what's that country song where the guy, like, the, what oh, is it? Oh, sounds like, like life to yeah, me. Yeah, sounds like the mm-hmm. Daryl, what's his face? I don't know. The, you know, the basically the this wife calls up her husband's best friend, says, hey, I can't find, you know, my husband, you know, where he's at, what's going on. Uh, and he's like, so I, you know, I go down to the bar and of course that's where he's at. And, you know, he tells him like, ah, the washer just quit. My truck died. We just found out my wife's pregnant with our third, you know, all this stuff. And the course of the song is sounds like life, you know? And, and that's what I think of with these budgets because it's like, oh, my kid fell and broke his arm. It's like, oh yeah, you have a 10 year old boy. They do that. You know, like, oh, my car broke down. Yep. They do that too. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my water heater's out. Yep. Oh, my dog ate something, and now I had to pay to get the vet to open their stomach up. Not speaking from experience (laughs) at all there. (laughs) And pull that thing out, right? Like, Mm -hmm. yes, this is life. The unexpected happens. So, obviously, when the unexpected happens, it crushes your finances, or it can. So, I think, you know, moving right along into the how do we avoid this, that the the biggest thing is just recognizing that all this stuff that we think of as unexpected is really not unexpected. Yeah. We may not know exactly when this stuff is going to happen, but we all know it's going to happen it's if we're happen. honest with ourselves. Yeah. It's going to happen. So, I mean, I think about, gosh, all the stupid stuff I did, like as a kid, you know, and the different times I ended up in the hospital from hurting myself. And it's just like, yeah, like I was a dumb kid and I cost my parents money every time I did that. Well, I think even things as little as, um, oh my gosh, you know, we had your grandparents over and this and that for Christmas Mm because we couldn't go to their house. And so our grocery bill is way higher this month or, you know, whatever. Like we found ourselves in those types of scenarios. And it's like, that's not unexpected. Like we knew that we weren't going to be able to make it to their house and we knew that we were going, we wanted to host them and for them to come over. And so we knew that we were going to be spending more on groceries. We just didn't account for it in our grocery budget. Well, and I remember our second year of marriage, um, we got really thrown off with all the weddings that we were Mm -hmm. invited to that year. And so every time we turned around, we were paying for wedding gifts or wedding dresses if we were in them. And if you want to make Nick grouchy. Oof, have me pay for a wedding. (laughs) But, but... That he hasn't planned for. That's the piece. That's (laughs) the piece, right? It's the plan thing. And so what happened is our unexpected expenses were just through the roof that year because every time we turned around, I was like, oh my gosh. And then it was like, wait a second, hold on. We're in our early 20s. All of our friends are in their early 20s. Guess what happens? Guess what happens in your early 20s a lot of the time? People get married. People get married. And then guess what happens after that? People have babies. Yes. And so now we have a line item in our budget for gifts and that gifts captures babies, weddings, everything non-Christmas birthdays, yeah, everything. Yeah. And so now we just know, look, we just need to set aside $100 a month and let that thing build up because sometimes we'll have three weddings in a single month or whatever. And again, that's one of the perks of budgeting. You know, you can kind of look back and see what are the recurring things that keep coming up that keep that I keep classifying as unexpected. Yeah. And are there patterns there that I can start to plan for? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I think, you know, 
if you don't want to use it, obviously we use a budget, right? Y'all know that if you listen to this podcast. And so we plan for all this stuff by having different categories in our budget. But you don't have to do that. Um, if you don't want to use a budgeting program, that's fine. What I would encourage you to do, though, is to at least break out a few different savings accounts. This means, you know, maybe get go to Ally Bank or some bank that lets you do like the sub-account situation. And then you want to have, you know, a, a handful of categories, not just one big emergency fund, a handful of different accounts to set aside for the bigger unexpected things like medical, uh, maintenance on cars or homes, uh, gifts for things like. Well, really, you're kind of talking about two different things. OK, you? what like, am I saying? Well, like maintenance on a car, that's kind of going to be this like normal recurring thing. But you're talking about like. Planning yeah, sorry. to replace you're right, a car. You're right. You're right. Planning yeah. to replace a car or a car wreck is yeah. what I should say. Like a big, not not like an oil change. Yeah. Like my transmission just dropped out, and mm-hmm. you know I got twenty five hundred dollars of expenses or something. Yeah. So yes, you're you're totally right. It's it's these things that can cause you and do cause many people to go into debt that can be avoided a lot of the time if we just recognize that they're not actually unexpected. Yeah, and one of the things that you pointed out there that I think is really important is having those separate accounts and not just keeping it a lump sum. Yes. So one of the things that, I mean, we've noticed in our own situation is when you see it as that big lump sum, it kind of gives you some false security. Totally. Because you're like, oh, wow, I got this big chunk of money sitting there. That's great. But when you divide it out um, um, between all those things that are going to come up at some point, you see how quickly it goes. It goes fast. Yeah. And, you know, you don't know. Your water heater in your car might die two days apart. Um, so you need to be prepared for that. Yep. Yeah. The other kind of thing that I'll, I'll get on my soapbox for just two seconds on is the emergency fund name. So when if you're in deep debt right now and you don't have much of an emergency fund, then you know, just don't even listen to this next 30 seconds. That's fine. Keep doing what is sort of the tried and true advice. Focus on getting out of debt, save a small emergency fund. But once you've gotten sort of past that and you're trying to build that emergency fund up, I don't love the name emergency fund because people think that it means I can take this money for if I lose my job, if my car breaks down, if we have a medical expense, if the water heater goes out, whatever. It's it's an emergency. But again, all that stuff can be planned for. And so I prefer renaming the emergency fund an income loss fund. So really, you get to a place where you don't have an emergency fund. You have money set aside for car breakdowns and maintenance and fixes on your house, and you have funds set aside for medical things, and you have funds set aside for you lose your job. And I think, obviously, massive amounts of people have been affected this year because of COVID. And, um, that really sucks. Like if, if you lose your job and it takes two, three, four, six months to get into another income situation, you want to make sure that you've got money for that scenario, not money that was also supposed to cover these other unexpected things that could happen during that time. And so, again, it's it's just recognizing that even loss of income, you don't know when it could happen. You don't know if it's going to happen. But it does happen. It happens to a lot of people. Well, and it's adding that extra layer of clarity, too, which also provides an extra layer of security. Because if you do lose your job and you are sitting there looking and say you have $15,000 in your income loss fund, you know, okay, 
I have this $15,000 that legitimately is there to help me get through until I can find another job. But if the car dies or the water heater dies or a kid breaks their arm or whatever, it doesn't have to come out of this $15,000. I've got money set aside for this over here, for that, you know, over here in these categories. Um, So I know that this is what I have to get me through and I don't have to worry about it being depleted by other things. And, you know, sharing from personal experience and, and I'm always, I'm always um, uh, nervous when we share our personal stuff, just because going back to the comparing yourself thing, I always want to make sure it's a healthy comparison. So you're, we're never sharing. I I don't ever want to share anything that's going to make you feel bad, but like with us, uh, stuff we share might make you feel really good. It might, yeah. <laughs> but like in this scenario, what happened is uh, obviously, so we run Mapped Out Money Full Time. That's how we make a living, right? So it's a business and the income fluctuates. And so what happened this year is uh, that January and February were pretty good. They were kind of normal months. Everything was clicking along. When COVID really got hit hard at the end of February, uh, everything started going off a ledge. And like March's income took an absolute nosedive uh and it literally was about a third of what we made in february um and then april was a little bit better and then things started picking back up in may uh and and may and 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 june and july have been uh back to to sort of normal for us but that could have been a very scary time luckily we've been very blessed and very diligent over the past few years to build up enough of a buffer to where we could still take care of all of our normal stuff and kind of wade through some of that. Uh, and then that gave us an opportunity to sort of reset the business, figure out how we're going to, what what are we going to do? How are we going to strategize yeah. to get the income back up? It allows you to be calm in that moment so that you can think clearly and reassess like, okay, you know, the world's changed. What does our strategy need to be to provide useful resources now that everything has changed that also reminds me i think maybe i actually heard this from dave ramsey uh i'm not sure but one of the things that having money set aside for the unexpected helps you with is that calmness because 90 percent of the time if you've got to unexpectedly spend a lot of money there's probably other things going on like a big medical disaster or a death or a huge car wreck there's probably other things that are already stressful in and of themselves. And what you don't want is to have financial stress on top of that. Mm-hmm. And so having a plan for the unexpected is is a way to at least take that stress out of the equation. All right. Do you feel good there? You think we're ready to move on to number four? Yeah. Yeah, I feel good on that one. Okay. So um, our fourth thing to avoid is lifestyle creep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is so easy and you and i i mean we're not perfect on this it's easy to to increase that lifestyle when you get paid well and you know sometimes especially like when we first got married we had purposeful and conscious lifestyle creep yes um so you know like when we first got married we lived in a a super cheap duplex like 45 minutes away from where we were actually working and going to school but it was way cheaper. Way cheaper. Yeah. So we were willing to make that 45-minute commute knowing, like, this will be temporary. Once we, once you have a full-time engineering job, we'll, we'll get Upgrade. an apartment closer, you know, and not, not be putting the stress of driving on ourselves so much. Um, 
so so sometimes there there is a time and a place for lifestyle creep, I guess. But there is. but maybe that wouldn't even really be defined as lifestyle creep, right? Because the whole idea with lifestyle creep is that it creeps up on you without you knowing. Yeah, it. you don't notice it, right? And and mm-hmm. like everything else, it's we're all about conscious, right? Mm-hmm. So just because you get that raise or you switch jobs or your business is finally working and you're making a little bit more money, uh, you got to be very 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 careful of that creep. And you know. Um, I don't know, depending on, you know, you who's listening, um, if you're in a job where you get commissions or you get um, overtime, I saw this really badly in my engineering days because people get used to that overtime train. And so what happens is that during a really busy season of life or a busy season in the business, uh, everybody starts working overtime to try and get projects out. All of a sudden, you're getting that time and a half money, and those paychecks start looking real good. And then you start you treating, start that like treating it base. like it's your actual base. Yep. You take out a loan for a boat. You take out a loan for whatever. And then all of a sudden, you've got to work those 60, 70-hour weeks just to make do. I see. I saw that a lot, uh, and it's 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 really something you got to be careful with. Well, and you know when you get into the scenario of you're working overtime or you did a really good job, so you got a raise or whatever, it's easy to fall into that. Like, well, I deserve. I deserve yeah, this. I worked hard for this. Mindset. Yeah, I deserve a new car because I've been working so hard, or you know whatever. And again, it comes down to. A, being conscious of of what you're doing and how you're spending your money, but B, of being really conscious and aware of your values. And so, okay, oh, I deserve a new car. Okay, well, let's throw that out the window. Do I even care about a new car? Yes. Am, am I just thinking that I deserve a new car because that's what I see everybody, everybody else around me buying? And so really, really diving into those types of questions. So when it comes to avoiding it, we got diving into those kind of questions, asking like, okay, what are my values, right? That's kind of what you're alluding to there. Mm-hmm. Again, we've talked about that before. And I think um, kind of the precursor to that whole knowing your values and all of all of that is just having this base mindset of um, people, people refer to it as different things. I've heard people say like, an abundance mindset. And then I've heard people just just talking about um, being satisfied, choosing to be satisfied with what you have. Um, so I'll, I'll read a quote from Oprah that I think encompasses this. She says, be thankful for what you have. You'll end up having more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never, ever have enough. And so I think I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so glad that we did um, that we've lived in the Airstream. For three years, because it really did show me like, wow, we just don't really need that much. Yeah. You know, um, now, does that mean that we won't enjoy having um, elements that come with with a house? Absolutely not. We're going to we're going to love having a full size refrigerator and different things like that. But do we know that at the end of the day, we don't need those things? Absolutely. We've been around people who just bought a new house and say it's 1,200 square feet in like three bedrooms. And their first, their, one of their first things that they say when we see the house or when they're telling us about the house or whatever is like, yeah, we know we're going to move in a few years because when we have kids, we want to have at least 2,000 square feet. Yeah. It's like, where'd you pull that number from? Yeah. It's just kind of, it's, it's that weird 
not enough mentality. Yes. Yep. With the size of a house and everything too, I think sometimes we can start to think like, oh, well, it's a given. Kids shouldn't have to share a bedroom or yeah. kids shouldn't have to share a bathroom or uh, we should never feel crowded. It's If we feel crowded, our house is too small. And it's like my dad has these two twin brothers and he grew up uh, sleeping on the porch because they were very, very poor and they slept Outside on on the screened-in porch is where they slept. There was a bunk bed, and my dad had to switch uh, each night, just basically flipping a coin to which which of which his of older twin, twin brothers, brothers he was going to have to sleep with. Uh, and that's how he grew up. And you know what? He turned out just fine. Like, yeah. And so you don't need that much. And it, you know, it's not like we're saying that you have to live that way, but it is just recognizing, like, you know what? If we feel a little crowded when our kids have their friends over, it's not the end of the world. It's okay. Like we can deal with that. And you know what? In a few years, they're going to be off at college and this house is going to feel plenty big. So is it really that important to us to like move into this bigger house? It's going to feel huge once once the kids are gone or, you know, whatever. And if Um, you're sitting here going, hey, I really want that 10,000 square foot house. and That's part of my values. Go for it. Rock and roll. Yeah. Like we're we're not hating on you. We're just saying, just think through. Just don't those let it things. creep up on you. That's the key. Figure out if they're your actual values, and and figure out how much discomfort are you willing to to deal with if those things aren't really in your. This values. is very like um, this is very like a stoic thing, which is putting yourself in these sort of challenging, difficult, hard situations regularly, just to remind yourself. It's not that bad. Well, even even like when we go camping and um, so I'm like, I'm a very hygienic camper. So like I can't just not shower. So what I what we end up doing is even if um, even if we're like going to sleep in the hammocks or something, we'll take a tent so that I can go in with like a bottle of water and like kind of bathe off and like shave my legs and stuff like I'm I'm pretty intense about those things. So. After we have a weekend of doing that, all of a sudden, when we come back to the Airstream, feels amazing. the hot water heater in the Airstream, which is normally a little less than ideal, uh, all of a sudden, it seems it's like wonderful. five stars, you yeah. know? Yeah. So it is it's just reminding yourself. That's right. Yep. All right. So now that we're all familiar with my camping hygiene habits, let's talk about our fifth and final thing to avoid to uh, improve your financial health. Sure. This one, um, this one, when we wrote this one down, it's it's one of the hardest ones. Uh, and it's others needing your financial help and it causing a drain on you. So this is this is not saying you shouldn't help others, obviously. Um, I guess what we would say, what the avoiding part would be, avoid draining your own finances. Finances to help others. Yeah. That'd be right. That's a better way to say it. Because this one, this one's tough, right? It, it's very much... Um, Something that is hard because it pulls on your heartstrings, right? Especially if it's a family or a close friend who's really had a bad go of it and needs help and is coming to you, you know, for financial help. And, and like one of the things that's been blowing my mind lately, I remember reading this even like a couple of years ago, but uh, one of the fastest growing demographics for student loan uh, borrowing is senior citizens. So you got a lot of 50, 60, 70 year olds who are taking out loans for their grandkids, to go to college, uh, which is just maybe there's a handful of situations where that makes sense. But I think for, for a lot of people, that just sounds like not a great idea, um, because how in the world are you unless you're really well off? How in the world? And if you're really well off, you're probably just going to pay cash. Right. Yeah, you're <laughs> like, taking all alone for so it. so 
you know, how in the world are you going to be able to take care of yourself in your retirement if you're taking on these brand new loans near retirement age for your grandkids? And I think that people start to feel selfish and like not helping people. But the key is exactly what you just said. Like, if you can't take care of yourself in retirement, you're just going to have to turn around and ask those people that you just helped to help you. That's right. It's so common to this happens all the time where somebody has really had a rough time, right? And, and and I'm not even saying that it's all their fault, right? Sometimes life deals people a really bad hand and they find themselves in a really tough financial spot. And then they go to their friends or family and it can start causing a drain on them if they're not in a good spot themselves. And then two, three years later, that person is now the one going to somebody else to try and uh, get their help, right? And so or and maybe even back maybe even back to the the original guy you know who who needed help in the first place and so it, it's very this is a tough one though because I'm and this is why I'm, you can probably tell I'm having a harder time talking about this one because I get wanting to help um, I one thousand percent get that but this is very much the whole you know when you're on an airplane what do they tell you look if we if we crash we start going down oxygen masks are going to drop put yours on first then help your neighbor uh if you put your if you don't get your oxygen mask on somebody's gonna have to start helping you and so get yourself taken care of and then then turn to your neighbor as far as how to avoid this one a few sort of things that that we have in mind and these all have to do with i think setting healthy boundaries but again it's tough and so here's here's a few thoughts i think first and foremost just being honest right just being open and if somebody's asking for money or needing your help, just saying, listen, I really want to. Um, you don't have to show them all your finances. I'm not saying you got to be you know, that honest, but uh, where you got to show them everything. But you say, I'm actually not in a great financial position myself to be able to do this right now. And if I help you, I'm probably going to be turning around and asking you for help next month or whatever, right? And just, just be honest and say, look, I'm, I'm struggling myself. I'm trying to get back on my own kind of feet financially. And so... I just can't. And even if they are not happy with that answer, they should at least be a little bit more understanding because they're obviously in the same boat. Yeah. And so that plays into empathy, too. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That That's kind of the other thing we wrote down was like everything uh, with with communication and money, like we've talked about in marriages, right? Um, having a lot of empathy for their situation. And, and so, again, I'm not saying uh, don't give your money or don't whatever but just have you can have empathy for them and recognize like hey they're in a tough spot you do want to help them and and so that leads to kind of the third thing to me which is what can i do that's non-financial that can help them out right and this is where you use your own skill sets right and so rather than giving the money um are you really you know pretty good at english or um you know proofreading can you help them proofread their resume so maybe they can get a better job uh are you pretty decently mechanically inclined rather than giving them money to help fix their car that now they're having to whatever can you help them fix it can you take your time rather than um giving them money for food uh or whatever can you come over and cook them meals so that they can spend more time trying to get a better job right it's it's looking for opportunities where you can help them because you care about them they're your family or they're your close friends or they're whoever that's not going to cause a financial drain on your own situation. And I think the other thing with this with this point is if you're in a situation where 
you really do have a specific person or whatever that you want to be able to help out, use that as motivation to get really clear on your own finances so that you know, A, if you can or can't help them, and B, how much you can help them without hurting your own situation. I think that's where a budget is really helpful and and being really clear on your own situation because then you you know whether whether you can do these things because I mean I I think we definitely value being able to help other people and not even like in bad financial situations even but you know being able to um to like bless other people just like if we're going out and being able to say hey you know what this is our treat like yeah. we, we want to treat you to this. You do a lot of stuff for us. We love you. We appreciate you. And we, we don't get to hang out with you as much as we want to. So this is our treat or, you know, whatever. And just knowing, yes, I can afford to do this without taking away from these bigger goals or no, I can't afford to do this right now. I think that's a perfect point. The last thing I'll say on this sort of uh, thing is having a plan, right? That That's really what it comes down to, because I think a lot of people Going back to the unexpected thing, a lot of people will find themselves in the in the situation where maybe the first time you get asked for money from a friend or family member, it is a surprise. Maybe and it's a legit surprise. Is to like, yes, yeah. of course I'll help yes. you. And so, hey, whatever that is, that's that's cool. That that's an in the moment thing. It's tough, you know. But but if if that's happened once already, now let's have a plan, right? So so the next time that that happens and and they're looking for money or whatever, think about what's your response going to be. Number one, is that is that going to cause a drain? Can I afford to help them? And if so, how much? How much can I afford to help them with? That's a one-time thing or a regular thing or whatever that is. Uh, and then two, if you can't afford to help them, go ahead right now and think through, like, how am I going to respond to that? What am I going to say? How can I be honest? How can I still show them empathy? What can I offer to maybe help them that isn't financially draining on myself, but that could still legitimately help them? And just having a game plan for that conversation before the conversation happens. I think some sub bullets under that. One would be don't feel obligated to give an immediate answer. And I think this is a good thing to have in your mind for for not just people asking for money, but for people asking you to commit your time to something or whatever. Just saying, I'm not sure if I can agree to that right now. Like, let me think about it. Um, Let me take some time to... Let me look at my budget. Let me whatever. Yeah. That's a good idea. Um, so having that placeholder. And then the other thing is, I would say, don't feel obligated to justify yourself. If you just need to say no, and that's all you want to say, that's all you have to say. Yeah. Like, I'm really sorry, but Can't do that I, right I'm now. not in the position to do that right now. Yep. They may not be happy with you, and they may want you to justify that decision and whatever, but you don't owe anybody a justification for things. So I think always remembering remembering that and that's okay and if it's if this is somebody that you're in a healthy relationship with and that actually cares about you i think they should understand that you know um even if initially they're frustrated or whatever they should come back around and and be okay with that i like it so those are uh, five things. That, five things we don't like. That we don't like. Yeah, that's right. Look at you. You're doing it now. I was going to try and weave my way there. Five things we don't like uh, that we want to avoid, right? Inversion. So now let's talk about something that we do like. So one of the things that I have really been liking, Margo is like going wild over here. She's snorting and biting and all sorts of stuff. I don't know if my microphone's going to pick her up or not, but... Anyways, if you hear anything strange, it's Margot, as usual. 
So one of the things I've been really liking is reading Jane Austen for like the first time ever. Yeah. I've never read Jane Austen before like the past few months. And along with that is realizing how many modern movies are based on classic books. That's right. So I've been reading Jane Austen's Emma, and I realized that it was reminding me of Clueless, which is like that 90s teen movie. But I've always loved that movie. See, and I never, I had never watched it before yeah. the other night. Well, and I didn't, I going into this, when I first started reading Emma, I had no idea that Clueless had been based on that. Um, so that was kind of a fun surprise. So I'm finishing up Emma. Nick and I watched Clueless, and now we have to go and watch uh, yeah, the, the actual the Emma movie. Actual Emma. Yep. Yeah. Um, but then the other one is Pride and Prejudice, yep. and like the Bridget Jones Diaries yeah. are based, based on, on that. Yeah. Um, so there's tons of them. We were we were just looking up a whole list of that, but that is one thing that I'm really loving. It is funny too because I had not watched Clueless, and it was really funny because you were like, you're like, oh, like every I don't know every like five minutes, you were like, oh my gosh, that's so and so from the book, or that's like that's who that character is, yeah. or that's the thing that they changed. And when and- you first watch that silly ditzy movie, you would never guess that it was based on anything at all. Like a classic. Literary. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. Um, but yeah, it totally is. It's super it's fun. so funny. So so that's what we like. All right. So to wrap up today's episode, the whole focus is, right, a defensive approach to your personal finances. We're big on offense and defense around here. Today we talked about defense. And so five things that you should try to avoid with your money uh, in order to maintain your financial health. Number one is unhealthy comparisons. Number two is impulse spending. Number three is unexpected expenses, actually planning for those things. Number four is lifestyle creep. And the last one is uh, others needing your help that drains your finances. And so remembering to put your own oxygen mask on first. All right. I think that wraps us up. That wraps us up. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, we will see you next time. (laughs) 